0: Hello, this is Kevin Barrett saying it's a dark and stormy night. Hear that rain in the background and the thunder? It's a perfect night to curl up with Truth Jihad Radio. If you subscribed to Truth Jihad Radio, you would get early access and free downloads to all of my shows. You can subscribe by way of Substack. Just go to TruthJihad.com and click on the Substack button. Welcome. You're listening to the live version of Truth Jihad Radio, or maybe you're listening to the archived version because I have no idea whether what you're listening to is live or archived. I know what I am, though. I'm live. And so are my guests. I bring on live minds to tell it the way it is, whether we're being serious or whether we're being semi-serious or even uh, not so serious, whether we're speaking with gravity or levity. We're talking about the most important things out there and not uh, pulling any punches in the second hour, we're going to get real serious with Benoit Campmark. He's a professor in Australia. We're going to talk about Daniel Hale, the drone whistleblower who was sentenced to forty-five months in prison for the crime of blowing the whistle on the completely insane drone mass murder program. And then Dr. Campmark also wrote a great article about the uh, complete uh, abysmal imperial failure in Afghanistan. So that's the uh, the totally serious hour we're going to get into. But you're going to have to wait for an hour because. Right now, we're going to the lighter side of things with wise guy, guru, Swami Vyandananda. And maybe we'll even get a word in from his manager, his alter ego, his straight man or whatever, whoever the heck he is, Steve Behrman. And those guys run the Wake Up Laughing website. They call it your one-stop shop for consciousness comedy, new age humor, political comedy and satire, healing laughter. Well, wait a minute. Healing laughter? That sounds like medical misinformation. We're going to get purged. My goodness. Even Reader's Digest, which used to say laughter is the best medicine, is now purgeable. You cannot post Reader's Digest on Facebook or Twitter or YouTube anymore because that is medical misinformation. Making medical claims about the power of laughter is very serious. It could kill people, as Joe Biden would say. So we're not going to make any claims about that. Instead, we're going to bring on Swami Biyandananda to make whatever claims he wants to make, and then you can sue him. So, hey, welcome, Swami. How are you?
1: Well, wonderful to be here, Kevin. And you, you set it up very, very well. You know, this is what we call the cosmic comic paradox, which is the world is in serious condition, but there's definitely something funny going on.
0: <laughs> That's for sure. Uh, you know, something, something, something's funny in the state of Denmark, but it, it, it doesn't smell funny and, you know, makes my eyes water with tears.
1: Well, that's true. You know, and uh, what we have in the world, there's a new word to describe the condition that's called a situation. We have a situation that's very, as we say, detrimental to our well being. But the good news is there is a great uprising. That is when we wake up, rise up, grow up, and show up. And by the way, you know, once you wake up, you cannot go back to sleep again. So this is a process where we will achieve. Critical mass of the heretofore uncritical masses in waking up. But meanwhile, um, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty grim out there. So laughing is very, very important because it is a way to uplift yourself by uplifting the corners of your mouth in a smile. That is called the levitational pull. Hmm
0: uh has navity, this been proven navity. in double blind studies that 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 really happens your 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 mouth can actually well, lift up that's off true. The ground?
1: that's actually that's actually true i actually met with two blind people and they both agreed that laughing is good
0: <laughs> okay well it's good but still you know i had you on the show a few <laughs> years ago. i've had you on several times we got going back in the 911 truth era when it was kind of depressing to notice that your own government had blown up the towers and murdered those 3,000 people. And it kind of pissed people, a lot of people off, and, and some just decided not to deal with it, and others like me <laughs> decided to spend their lives doing Internet radio shows. And uh, you came on the shows a few times, and we tried to wring some humor and wisdom out of this horrible situation. But now the situation is like, was, is this a rerun of 9-11, this, this COVID thing? is some, Something uh, well, funny it- is going on there, too.
1: Well, you know, we had a president who uh, was uh, was the gaslighter in chief. Uh, he lit a lot of gas, if you know what I mean. And uh, but if we go back, we just see that the entire um, that our entire government for the last seventy five years has been run on gaslight. Uh, it, it all began with the uh, uh, the Orwellian uh, move of renaming the Department of War Department of, of Defense, and it has been. Downhill since then. We've got, uh, you know, the, what I like to say, and this is not funny, by the way, but the KKK in our lifetime has been replaced by the KKK, KKK, kill Kennedy, King, Kennedy, and the Kent kids. That's what happened. That was the the first uh, very detrimental thing that happened in the '60s. We had, of course, the um, we had the Gulf of Tonkin resolution, uh, which was a. Uh, a replay of all of the false flags that we've experienced, and it's just gotten worse. We had, the, you know, the the Iraq War uh, based on lies. So what's going on right now is that if you if you pay attention, and by the way, uh, you know, you, if you begin to pay attention, you see there's a pattern here, and the pattern is uh, you put people in fear. This is called the inferiority complex. You put them in fear. And then you can lock down anything you want. You're, you're able to get control. So obviously, uh, after the 9-11 attacks, that was used to create the so-called Patriot Act, which, while it was an act, was certainly not patriotic. Uh, and, uh, you know, it uh, it it put, uh, you know, everybody under surveillance. And if it weren't for Edward Snowden, a great uh, whistleblower, if it weren't for him, then we would still be in the dark about that. Well, obviously, when it comes to, uh, when it comes to the current situation with COVID, it's very clear that, uh, the only tool they have is a hammer. And so they're trying to turn everything into a nail. So actually the vaccine preceded the virus, if you know what I mean. The virus was, uh, appeared magically like the 9-11 attacks appeared magically in order to help us, uh, lock down, shut down a, a little bit more. People are not used to seeing these kinds of patterns because, um, you know, after World War II, the American people entered into a "don't ask, don't tell" policy with the government. They promised not to ask the government what it is doing, and the government promised not to tell them. And so, people like being not told because then they have no moral responsibility, and then they can they can pretend. There's a wonderful uh, Navajo saying. You can't wake somebody who is pretending to be sleeping.
0: Mm.
1: And so it's people are pretending to be sleeping because they don't want to deal with the truth. And as you know, the truth shall upset you free.
0: Well, it's upsetting me freer and freer now as I try to stay free while every day the mainstream media comes out with a nastier hit piece or op-ed or article coming up with some new idea about how to torture those horrible people who won't get the vaccine. And uh, what, what do you make of this?
1: Well, I, I make of it that the people who have gotten it, that, well, let's face it, they got stuck. And because (laughs) they got stuck, they want to stick it to everybody else. (laughs) Uh, And so the big, so actually what it is, is that, uh, you know, this certainly seems of course, who knows for sure, but it certainly seems, that the entire purpose of this whole thing is to institute top-down control. And so what we need to do is we need to create love and courage. That is what we need, need to do. And by the way, laughing helps that. Laughing helps that because it rekindles our awareness. It rekindles our life force by rekindling our laugh force. So I recommend laughing Fifteen or twenty times a day, we call this a daily laxative, and that will restore regular hilarity and of course prevent the hemorrhoids that seem to be ever present.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, but when I, last time I went to the supermarket, and I, uh, I I kind of sneezed a little bit through my mask, and the uh, everybody turned and ran, and and I st- I laughed so hard my mask came off, but that scared them even more, and and I was uh, arrested. For uh, supposedly uh, spreading a virus, because they say that laughing, like like sneezing and coughing, and singing—all these things that people you know like to do—well, they like to sing and they like to laugh. I don't know about the sneezing and coughing so much, but anything like that 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 sprays spray into the air, like laughing does, is now considered a mortal threat. So I, I just want people to know that that laughing uh, now could make you a terrorist, and uh, they might quarantine you if you laugh.
1: Where I think you need to laugh up your sleeve. That is probably the best way to do it, to play it safe, to laugh up your sleeve. You uh, and, uh and actually yeah, 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 And and actually, you know, I, I think the entire breathing process will be changed where exhaling is prohibited.
0: There you go. Just only inhaling, but
1: Yeah. To- yeah. only inhaling
0: only inhaling yes i tried it once but i didn't
1: exhale so yes that that uh, that's well, if you clench your class. lungs
0: hard enough like it like the way the really uptight you know, people like clench their buttock muscles if you clench your lungs that way i hear that you can go without exhaling for uh for up to six months
1: oh that's right that's exactly right uh and that that this is uh this is where where the um, you know we have the red tribe and the blue tribe that is where the blue tribe is getting even bluer.
0: They are getting really blue, aren't they? Make uh, they're, America they're blue again. That's what
1: we're doing. We're making them blue, and not breathing. <laughs> breathing is keep the key to long life, right? Yeah. Because when we inhale, <laughs> when we inhale, we inspire. When we don't, we expire. That's very important. Now, what I am proposing, you know, there's been so much talk about conspiracies and conspiracy this and conspiracy that. Um, I don't believe in conspiracy theories. I believe in comms piracy facts. You know, that uh you know, there are a lot of people who are concerned that Bill Gates and Monsanto are looking to make the entire human population round up ready. And of course many of us are not ready to be rounded up, right?
0: So well, but they it's, think it's the
1: crowd. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> exactly yeah <laughs> yeah but so i think that right now it is very important to uh you know one of the things about fear is it makes us stupider it puts us in fight or flight and so we need to change our body chemistry through the power of laughter even if we're laughing into our sleeves uh part of this is waking people up uh, again people have been programmed by the uh by the mainstream media, which I have to say is a brainwashing machine stuck on sin.
0: So, uh, to, how do we get these uh, people who are so fearful of death to let let go and relax and unclench their lung muscles and uh, exhale and laugh?
1: Well, dad coming to that, I think we need to create. To to, um, counteract all of the uh, uh, secret conspiracies, we need a worldwide conspiracy, an open conspiracy, an open source conspiracy of the people of the world. Now, of course, the meaning of conspiracy means to breathe together.
0: That's dangerous. And
1: once we start to breathe, yes, it's very dangerous. We start to breathe together every hour on the hour or any hour on the hour you'll know that there's people all over the world breathing in and breathing out and as we breathe in and we breathe out we clear our mind better than using mental floss. we clear our mind of our thoughts and we focus on the center of ourselves and pretty soon we'll be thoughtless and self-centered just like that <laughs> uh, and and so and so the idea is to breathe together for all the people of the world that's one thing that we can do because when we are breathing We're bringing oxygen to our brain. We're making ourselves smarter. We are relieving the fear that has put us in fight or flight or freeze. And so in that process, we are reclaiming our own spirit. There's a a famous story uh, about um, uh, Victor Funkel, who wrote Man's Search for Meaning. He was in a Nazi death camp during World War II. And he and a fellow inmate made a pact that every day they would find something to laugh about. Because if they're able to laugh in a situation like that, there is a part of you that cannot be captured or put in prison or dominated. And to give you an idea of how powerful this was when people actually changed their internal dialogue and changed their, um, their attitude through, in this horrific situation through humor, One of the jokes that actually circulated in the camps involved these two Jewish guys who decided they are going to assassinate Hitler. And they know know that Hitler's motorcade is going to pass this one intersection at 11 in the morning and they're waiting for him. Well, 11 in the morning comes and Hitler's not there. 11.15, 11.30, when he's not there by 11.45, one of the assassins turns to the other and says, gee, I hope nothing's happened to him. You see, so this is the power of humor to provide leverage or better than that, leverage over an oppressive situation. And I think that there are many, even though there is not really a a mainstream network where these people can express themselves, there are many, many, many people who are aware that they've been sold a bill of bad. And with every change of policy from the top down, those people, uh, our number grows as more people wake up and wise up.
0: So, Swami, uh, usually gurus like you tend to get young followers. You know, there was that guy who made everybody wear purple, and they all had to be like highly promiscuous, and until they got caught, like feeding people uh, tainted salad or something like that in Oregon—that was one of the more notorious ones. But there are a lot of, you know, a lot of you gurus are, are pretty good at, at reaching the younger people, and we conspiracy theorists are only somewhat successful at that. So, I was wondering, have you? Ever, I've noticed you've had speaking uh invitations to colleges and things like that. Do you, you think the young people can uh can figure this out and you know how how do how do we get the this uh kind of you know wake up laughing thing going among people of you know who are little little younger than us. Well that's about
1: everybody. Yeah <laughs> <laughs> pretty much uh, no, it's no, getting actually, that way this, isn't this, it? This, this is true. No, I mean I uh, actually this is this is uh, I, I'm actually practicing uh lots of longevity techniques by the way did you know that people who have longer livers live longer
0: hmm.
1: so i'm i'm teaching a liver extension exercises so longer longer livers live longer
0: <laughs> um, but also well, you I know i started practicing liver extension when when i came to islam by the way love.
1: <laughs> when you came where when did you get liver extension when?
0: when when i when i came, converted to islam uh <laughs> i, ah. I <laughs> yeah, that was my liver extension exercise there, no, but <laughs> that's anyway.
1: right. well, that's good. You extended your you extended your liver, and living and you're living longer. You that's know, true. so far so good. Now I'm, I'm working on a new book. In fact, it's called "How to Live to Be 150." I never look a day over a hundred. So, and you know, we're working on that. Uh, but but here's the point. Here's the point that I wanted to make that one of the things that this guru. Uh, And by the way, in terms of all that sexuality and stuff, I have to tell you something. I was celibate for 14 years. But when I turned 15, I said, enough of that. that." (laughs) But but anyway, I think what's very, very important is to get people not to follow another person. You know, I think we this talking about herd immunity. Well, it's all turning into unheard of impunity, if you know what I mean. And so in order to actually not be a sheep, instead of following the herd, I recommend following the unheard, listening to the still small voice within that puts you in touch with the greater spirit and the power of infinite love. That is really who we are. However, this is uh, you know the, the illusion of separation that we, uh, we hungry ghosts here on this planet We are separated from our mothers very early. We miss out on all of the the biological and physiological and spiritual and psychological goodies that come from being connected. And so we are in a so-called civilization where people are what they call hungry ghosts that everybody is feeling. They have to fill themselves up and that that full feeling is not ultimately fulfilling. And so people become takers rather than givers. So my guru recommendation, if you want to find your guru, look in the mirror and chant the guru chant. She, you, are you. She, you, are you. She, you, are you. She, you, are you. You see, and that is very, very important because each of us is totally unique, just like everybody else. <laughs>
0: Okay, well, the hungry ghost, that reminds me of the Tibetan Book of the Dead where it, they talk about how the the guru guides the person who's dying into the other world and tries to avoid the realm of the hungry ghost, which is the realm of the people who are unsatisfied because they were greedy and egotistical during their lives, and so they can't let go and enter paradise after their deaths. And uh, I, I wonder if the ignorance of people about, about death and about the spiritual dimension, uh, is, is at the root of a lot of these problems, right? They're, they're all terrified of death, especially the secular people, the left liberal people. Uh, they tend to be, uh, atheist, agnostic, uh, unaware of of spiritual things. And so they're really scared to die because it's going to be just nothing and everything is meaningless and, you know, all of that. And, uh, so, so yeah, I mean, we, we can upwise them a little bit with humor, but maybe we need more than that, don't we?
1: Well, you know what? I think that one of the keys, uh, there is an excellent book that just came out, somebody you might want to interview, uh, named Dr. Bruce Grayson, who wrote a book called, um, let's see, I think I have it here somewhere. The book is called After a Doctor Explores What Near-Death Experiences Reveal About Life and Beyond. Now, you know, I tell you, I had a near-death experience It was out of this world. Hmm? Uh, and so what, what uh, Dr. Grayson says is exactly what you're saying, that growing up in a, in a society where only the material world is real, uh, in spite of the fact that Albert Einstein said that the field is a sole governing agency over the particle, we here in this Newtonian world, we are going to fight the virus with, the, with injections. And of course, the virus is way smarter than we are. So the virus is already outsmarted, this first injection, and it's going to keep on going uh, until uh, you'll need a vaccination against your to, to protect you against the vaccination. But but you make a very very good point that because people fear death, it makes them much more, it makes it much easier to manipulate them, and uh, all of this this uh, toxicity uh, around uh, you know protecting oneself against uh, against this virus. Um, it's absurd. It's absolutely absurd. You know, somebody characterized, um, you know, using the mask to protect against the virus as, uh, you know, using chicken wire as a mosquito net, right? So uh, it's a superstition. Uh, and people who are in the uh, in the secular um, atheist realm, they don't realize that they believe in a religion called scientism. And this religion called scientism, it has its own dogma. It has its own catechism. It has its own um uh, heresy and all of that. And they don't recognize that they are essentially, they say they believe in science. That is a religious belief. Uh, it doesn't take into consideration all of the things that are being studied, like some of the things like these near-death experiences, that are being studied scientifically, that are being reported, that are being counted. And because the secular... Um, inhumanists, uh, do not have any way of explaining this phenomenon. Consequently, it doesn't exist. And so, our so called civilization has eliminated more than 50% of everything from the mix. It's only based on science, on, on the material world, and on the domination of, um, of human beings over nature. And we all know how that's going to end.
0: Well, one thing you say for these secular materialists though, is that they used to be really prejudiced and bigoted against these people who would cover their faces as a kind of a religious expression, but now they love it.
1: Yeah. You know, that's right. When people ask me if I'm, if I'm wearing them back when they first did the social distancing, Swami, are you wearing a mask? I said, absolutely I'm a wa- wearing a mask in solidarity with Muslim women everywhere.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's uh, and and this the secular uh, religion is you know it, it leaves people hungry for you know for meaning, and which is why, of course, uh, gurus like you you know have a field day. Really, I mean, you've the, you've got a a great kind of uh, a setup here with a huge potential audience. I mean, people are they're they're starving for what you can offer them. Um, you know you should have saved the world by
1: now so well, we... well i i think there's no need to save the world just spend it more wisely i think that would be that would be good <laughs> um no but, but i think that uh, that what's really scary is that um people are being deplatformed and uh, and well what's the word they're being scapegoated uh and everything is being blamed on these on these unvaxed people uh, the people who choose, uh, who actually believe in this very, 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 very old-fashioned, ob- obviously outdated and obsolete idea, that yeah, we have sovereignty over our own bodies and we get to choose whether we get any kind of medical treatment, uh, particularly when it's when it hasn't really been tested, when it hasn't been proven safe, and uh, you know people do not know how to listen to their own bodies. Hmm? And so if you don't listen to your own body, you'll listen to anybody. And so that's you know the, the assault of the mainstream media in censoring and deplatforming. Those sites that have been uh cited as um, disinformation sites, they're actually missing information sites. That's where you'll find the missing information that has been left out of the uh, of the mainstream narrative. So uh, this is, you know, these, you know, they, they call these times apocalyptic, and apocalypse means the lifting of the veils, and the irony curtain is coming down. We are bringing down the irony curtain as more and more people get to see the absurdity of everything that is going on. The media insists on its narrative, and the more it insists, the more resistance it's going to engender.
0: Well, you know, speaking of absurdity, I, I love the story. I think it was just yesterday. Big, you know, mainstream media headline telling us that now the CDC is reversing itself and telling the vaxxed people to wear masks outdoors in hopes of uh being kind to the unvaxxed and not transmitting COVID to them. So now it's <laughs> and 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 they just told us that. So hola, hola, that <laughs> Yeah, they just told us that, that there's no transmission outdoors except in extremely thick crowds. But now, now the vaxx people have to wear the masks outdoors to be kind and gentle to the unvexed. Okay.
1: It's, uh, well, that's good. I think that, I, I think that at some point, somebody is going to become aware of the manipulation. Somebody is going to become aware of it. It's kind of like the emperor's new clothes. Yes. And somebody's going to say, hey, look, I think those are the emperor's buttocks I'm looking at right now. And so, it's going to play itself out. Well, we've been screaming um, this. For, you know, right we've now, been screaming this
0: for every year. We've been yelling about the emperor's buttocks for you know since. I mean, I've I've been <laughs> yelling about you know the empire's buttocks in terms of the uh, apparent U.S. bio attack on Wuhan that started this whole thing um, since it you know, almost since it started. And uh, so far, all I've got for it is being nominated as one of the world's eight top super spreaders of COVID conspiracy theories by the Associated Press and the Atlantic council, and they didn't offer a cash prize with that.
1: Oh yeah. You're the dissociated press. Yes. We have the <laughs> yeah, dissociated
0: that's me. press. That's me.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, and so I, and, and I think that this is, you are a voice and the bewilderness. And, you know, this is something where so few people have this individual consciousness, you know, um, for the people on the progressive side, it's very easy to see how the Donald Trump supporters were, were fooled into, into supporting him. And, of course, there's a lot of you know, progressive people think that they're, that they're very smart. Well, how do you trick a very smart person? Well, you tell them how smart they are for believing what you're telling them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's how uh, they, these people are convinced that, uh, that they believe in science and that they're smarter than everybody else. But those who are there, there's something called smarterdom. Smarterdom, <laughs> that is when you actually sacrifice being happy for being right. And that is not going to go well, particularly because they are neither happy nor are they right.
0: Well, they at least uh, can feel smug about being smarter than those silly uh, Trump voters. That's something, isn't this? You
1: well, know? you know, there's, you know, and, and I think that, the, that there's many, many techniques that are being used by the, uh, by the mainstream media to um, do, do one of the oldest political games in, in the world, which is divide and conquer, right? And so uh, any, all you have to do is say the secret word about somebody, conspiracy theorist or Trump supporter, and all of a sudden, everything that they have to say has been lumped in with Donald Trump. We call this Trump and Lumpen, Trump and Lumpen. And so the practice of Trump and Lumpen you lump everything in with Trump uh is a way to uh protect people from seeing what they don't want to see.
0: So you, so you lump so, all those Trump uh, supporters it, there the Trump and lump and proletariat.
1: The Trump and. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And, and, you know, again, there are shadows everywhere. I mean, anything that, that is in, in extreme, you can have the, um, uh, and whether uh, we've had, you know, the, the kinds of choices that we have in this last election, we had the choice of uh, uh, an autocratic dictator or a uh, technocratic dictator. And so right now we're dealing with a much, much bigger toxin, which is the technocracy that wants to turn us all into machines. Yeah, and, well, yeah. you know, and uh, I mean, and that's, that's not funny. Yeah, but that is what. But that's <laughs> but that is really that is really the agenda. Now the thing is that the way that we open hearts is we help is we actually help people get courage through breathing, through humor, and through reconnecting themselves with with the divine spirit. We are, we are, so many of us are disconnected. Now in the secular world, there are people who are doing mindfulness. That is good. Anything that creates inner peace and a connection to that which is bigger than us and bigger than the world and is the power of love that is all-encompassing. And so this is part of where we are right now. There is a surrender that has to take place. The universe has us surrounded. We have to surrender. And we surrender to the power of love that is who we really are. Now, a lot of people out there, they've never seen God, but we've all seen good. And so as part of the uprising, we have to evolve from children of God to adults of good.
0: Hmm. Well, we can still keep, keep a little bit of God, can't we?
1: Well, of course, of course we keep God. God keeps us. Uh, <laughs> but the point is that you don't, that you can, uh, you don't have to believe in uh, any specific deity to be able to feel the power of love, knowing that power is beyond belief. Beliefs, uh, it, it is like I have said. Truth lives in the heart. Belief lies in your head. Mm-hmm. So, if we don't want something lying in our heads, we want to actually feel that truth that is in our heart, that is bigger than any language, bigger than any expression, and yet we know what it feels like.
0: Well, that's pretty good stuff, Swami. Do you, do you lead workshops with people, like doing Tai Chi exercises and telling jokes and getting in contact well, with? Well, yeah,
1: we we act- Yeah, we activate the, we activate the laugh force in the planet. We have a four step program to achieve cosmic comic consciousness. Number one, it's a joke laugh. Number two, lovingly laugh in your own face. We call that self facing laughter. Number three, find the jokes hidden in the picture. And number four, commit random acts of comedy. And I do teach people how to do that. Um, we're doing. A, I can, in fact, in the second part, where my cohort uh, Steve Berman is on, he can tell a little more about that.
0: Okay, is, is Steve like nudging you and trying to push you off stage and come on right now, or uh, can we keep? Oh, you Oh little... no,
1: no, 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 no! Oh no, no, no! He, uh, I, I am, uh, I am immutable. I cannot be muted. <laughs> but, uh, yep. but because I am generous of spirit, I will, I will give him the talking stick.
0: Okay. If you like. All right. Thank you, Swami. Swami Beyond Ananda. Okay. My favorite guru. Steve Berman here. Steve, namaste. that was fast.
1: Okay, Namaste and Namas go. Goodbye.
0: <laughs> okay, bye bye, Swami. Okay, well all right.
1: <laughs> okay, Kevin. Well well the Swami is uh, he's he, he he's around. So I mean if he needs to talk to him later, um he can be called fourth or if that's too quick, called fifth.
0: You know, he's always kind of hovering in the background. In fact, sometimes when, uh, when bad puns pop into my head, I, I think it's the Swami is, is with me. Uh, but anyway. The farce
1: is with you. The, the farce, farce is yeah, made a truly farce with, with you. you. <laughs> is there, a, is there a bad pun in the background there?
0: <laughs> There's usually one if you, if you reach for it hard enough, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's, the world isn't getting any less crazy and, and, you know, and, and darkly humorous, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I think it's amazing how uh, how you and the swami are able to keep this thing going with uh, with that um the uplifting upwising uh spirit you know i find myself constantly you know being kind of angry and writing this kind of jonathan swift style you know pissed off satire as the only way i can keep <laughs> my laughs coming so but you you guys are uh, are geniuses well the body
1: politic well, the body politic could use a good swift kick so, um, Jonathan Swift is on the menu. I think that's a, that's really important. Now we have to look at, um, I, I, since we last had an interview, I think, uh, I wrote a book with Bruce Lipton, the cellular biologist, Spontaneous Evolution, Our Positive Future, and a Way to Get There from Here. We wrote the book about 12 years ago. And at the time, spontaneous evolution was a noun in the future, and now we see it's a verb in the present. So to put it, everything in perspective, Um, You know, metaphorically And of course everything is a metaphor uh, We are in the chrysalis Um, The caterpillar We're leaving the caterpillar The caterpillar uh, In the course of its lifetime Consumes 26,000 times Its own weight In food So does that sound like our consumer society? Yes Well, uh, we're in the chrysalis right now And what happens in the chrysalis Is that there's chaos and the as the caterpillar cells deconstruct and we can see the caterpillar debris all around this part of it is happening uh of course with with the uh climate changes on the planet uh you know now they're now they're talking about well the gulf stream uh maybe it may not be streaming very long uh and of course i i live in california so Uh, we just got done with the fog season and now the fire season is here. So, um, and then all of the institutions of society are, that have been designed basically to serve the few and not the, and not the many. They're all falling apart. They're all deconstructing. And those who have some, uh, something to gain by the status quo are desperately doing whatever they can to keep things going. And the reason why most people are, or going along with this toxicity is because of fear, because of fear of change and because, um, the, you know, we, we don't know uh, what's going to happen uh, and there isn't a positive vision of the future. You know, if you look at at the media for the past 50 or 60 years, you know, since, you know, we've been watching things on TV All of the um, future societies, they're all dystopian. And so the picture that we get uh, of how things can be and how things are going to be is they're only going to get worse. So even the people who believe in world peace and environmental justice and all of these wonderful things, if you did kinesiology with them, if you did muscle testing, and you say, I believe there can be world peace, they would test weak because we have in our DNA 10,000 years of rule by the lowest common dominator. And now, finally, uh, I see a number of different venues that are beginning to address the, the trauma that we collectively are here to metabolize. And, you know, we can certainly look at, uh, um, you know, in, in, our, uh, in our society, we can, we can look at, uh, at Black people and Native Americans in particular who had their history ripped from them et cetera, et cetera. But as uh, Tom Hartman wrote in a very brilliant article that I, that, that was written years ago, but I just, uh, he just republished it. Um, he's talking about, you know, that essentially the indigenous people of Europe were decimated by the same forces of domination. And all of the, um, the peaceful Christian tribes, the Gnostics, the Essenes, and all of that, uh, you know, they were destroyed, um, by the dominator church and so we all have it in our dna we all have this we've been dominated and uh, and we've been part and party to uh to domination as well and i'm very happy to see that there's a lot of uh things going on right now uh including psychedelics by the way use of psychedelics it's just a great series called psychedelics reveal and a lot of people who've had Trauma. Including people who've been in the military, people who've been had horrific, abusive childhoods, are able to um, have an experience that is as transcendent as a uh, as a near-death experience, and they return from that, and that they see that existence is so much bigger than the trauma, that the field of love is so much larger than the very, very narrow passageways that we've been given to access this. And so uh, as more and more people get struck by enlightenment, we are, you know, this is happening now. Who knows what kind of hell we're going to have to go through uh, until we come out the other side. But as Churchill supposedly said, if you find yourself in hell, just keep going. So. If I didn't have laughter, if I didn't have comedy, if I didn't have what we call pumping ironies to exaggerate the insanity, the toxic insanity, to exaggerate that. Um, and 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 again, there are many people who are suffering from irony deficiency. As a, a friend of mine, that's, that's just sure. doesn't want me to, doesn't want me to send her any any more information. Uh, she says, please don't send me any more of this stuff. And I said, okay. I promise not to send you anything that contradicts your belief system. <laughs> and she didn't, she didn't get the irony of that, right?
0: Well, nobody gets um, the irony so anymore, think, Steve. You know, when I publish satire pieces, half the time people take them seriously. You know, I, I do an outrageous parody of a news story that's so far beyond what it could, you know, could possibly be an actual news story. And people still think it's an actual news story because the actual news has gotten so insane that you can't write satire anymore.
1: Exactly. Exactly. I mean, that's,
0: you know, that's why, um,
1: you know, this irony deficiency, this seriousness is, you know, I, I, my entire life since I was a kid, uh, I've identified with the progressive tribe. And now I find that I'm, um, I, their shadow is so uh, profound, and they're so uh, unwilling to look at that shadow. Um, You know, and and it's really very scary. Here I am in Berkeley, um, you know, which uh, was known for the the free speech movement, you know. But, you know, several years ago, they wouldn't let this right wing guy speak on campus.
0: Well, hey, before that, Uh, they they wouldn't let me speak uh, at at the Unitarian Church in Berkeley. (laughs) So tell me about the free speech movement in Berkeley. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Oh, the Unitarians. Well, I I did a program um, a few years ago for a Unitarian church in California, and you know, at least you haven't been yet. Any of this COVID. Yeah. Well, I'm holding my breath here.
0: When you get Um, when you get censored by the Unitarians, you you know you're in trouble.
1: Well, that was what happened. I, um, you know, this is before any of this COVID stuff. was about three years ago, and um, I made some remark about vaccinations and so on. And I got booed off the stage by these, oh, no. by these tolerant people. No, it was this, it was this as
0: Steve or as Swami.
1: Um, I think it was that Swami.
0: Swami got booed off the yep. stage. Oh, my. That, Yeah, <laughs> well, that's yeah, hilarious. Yeah. Actually, in a way that's I mean, like these, darkly hilarious. That's, that's...
1: <laughs> these people, well, it's happened before, you know, I think, and, and um, I think that, you, you know, you, you're one of the few people who has nailed it so clearly and, and, um, made the connection between, um, living in a secular world where life ends at death and having no dimension of spirit whatsoever. Um, and I, and it's, um, it's a very sad existence, and well, at least they have, you know, a, rel- they have a religion. The
0: Steve, the, the sacred vax must not be mocked.
1: Well, that's right. They have a religion, but it's a you know it, it's kind of a, a two bit. Uh, it's a two bit religion that doesn't really provide anything, and you know more and more there have been more and more studies about how people who have a spiritual dimension to their lives, who have this sense of the love that exists above and beyond the physical plane, whether they've had an experience of it or simply trust that it exists and find that it reinforces itself through the powers of grace. Um, those people are happier and healthier and live longer. Those people, you know, somebody uh, was interviewing these Amish people about COVID. They go, so what? They don't watch TV. They don't know about it. They're healthy. Um, And so this is, you know, part of the, um, of the toxification of everything is this media insertion into, uh, that is, that takes up all the space and sucks the air out of the room. I'm a big baseball fan. That was my religion as a kid. And, um. I went to a ball game, I think it was about three years ago, and it's probably the last ball game I'll ever go to. It was right you know, right here, you see the Giants play. And it wasn't just the catcher and, and the umpire you know, who
0: were wearing masks. <laughs>
1: Before that time. You know, what was, you know, baseball is one of those things where it's kind of like a timeless summer afternoon, and you're sitting there filling out the scorecard, and you're talking to your compadres. um and you're noticing who's in the lineup and talking baseball and all that. Well, at the ballpark these days, there is not a second that people have unoccupied by activity, sight, sound, scoreboard, something going on. There is no space. It occupies your mind. And so the antidote is to be a nature. The antidote is to be a nature. And, um, you know, in, in terms of all of these businesses that that refuse to let, uh, vaccine, uh, unvaccinated people in, I'm boycotting those businesses. As an unvaccinated person, I'm boycotting those businesses. Wait a minute. They think that they're, they're boycotting
0: you and you think you're boycotting them. And that's proof <laughs> of the theory of relativity. And then,
1: <laughs> yes, yeah, even, and unfortunately, you have to boycott some relatives too. No, but I think, uh, you know, I think that, Cognitive dissonance is a very powerful power. Um, and I just talked to somebody the other day who said, you know, I took that first VEX, but I'm not going to take any more of this. I'm tired of this stuff. And it's a very intelligent, progressive individual who happens to have his eyes open and is not fearful. And it's going, I'm looking around here and I'm going, what's wrong with this picture? Why are these people, um, hunkering in the bunker and being so fearful? And, you know, this is interesting. I'm, I'm finding that the conservative tribe, uh, I have more resonance with them because there's more people of faith on that side and they actually have the common sense to look at, uh, the narrative that's coming down and going, that doesn't that doesn't make sense for my life. That's not who I am. I'm not gonna, you know, all of the studies that show it's damaging for children to have masks on, and now all of this fourth stuff. And it and I think uh, I I I'm hoping that I'm right, uh, but I think that they're finally overplaying their hand.
0: I certainly hope so. Uh it's it's gotten uh it's gotten so far out of control that you know, it it seems like everything's flipped in a way. I mean so many things have flipped. It used to be, you know, during the Cold War when we grew up, that the other side was this regimented communistic society, the godless commies. And and now it seems like our uh, official leadership is kind of godless commies. And in, after nine eleven, it was the left that was the upwising, that was wising up to Bush and Cheney, these dastardly Republicans who were involved in blowing up the Twin Towers. And then they put Obama in and, and put the left back to sleep. And so now it's suddenly all my Republican friends that are the conspiracy theorists. Actually, Steve, I, I spoke at a Republican Party event in Madison with a, a whole bunch of candidates for office and I gave this hardcore 9-11 truth rant. They all loved it, and everyone except one of them agreed with it. And the one who didn't just uh, was open to it and just hadn't heard about it yet. And it's, these are the Republicans. So something –
1: How just, long ago was that? That, that uh,
0: was – uh, How long ago was that? Oh, boy. I think that, that was about uh, last summer, not this – it was one year ago.
1: Well, you know, I think that that's really, what, that's really what's going on. On the serious side, I'm launching a podcast uh, called Front and Center – writing our new story together with Michael McSenty, who is uh, um, from the, uh, he's a one-time Reagan Republican who um, in 2011 started a conversation with one of the Occupy people and started and put together these conversations between Occupy kids and Tea Party people. And um, since that time, he's really been uh, weaving these kinds of connections and conversations. And so our front and center podcast is first of all about, for a minute, pulling our attention away from all of this divisiveness and focusing on what Charles Eisenstein calls the more beautiful world our hearts know is possible. What are our common aspirations that we have above and beyond this artificial divide and conquer um, you know, polarity? And so that's really we're we're launching uh, September 1st. Uh, It's going to be perfect for the 20th anniversary of 9-11. Now you mentioned something else, you know, one of the, the other problems with progressives being secular is that they have no concept of evil. They do not know how to face evil. They don't want to acknowledge evil. And so consequently All of the evils that have been perpetrated have been bypassed. And I'll give you an example. Um, In 2005, Mark Crispin Miller wrote a book called Fooled Again, which was about the um, hacking of the election, of the uh, voting machines, and stealing of the election by, by Bush Cheney and Karl Rove in 2004. Very well researched book. He had it published by a fairly well-known mainstream progressive publisher, and what happened totally shocked him. Uh, of course, the mainstream press completely ghosted him, completely ignored him, and the left-wing press, like uh, Mother Jones, like Democracy Now, like all of these things that the left wingers consider, you know, more progressive, they trashed him as a conspiracy theory. So instead of winning a, instead of getting a Pulitzer Prize which he deserved, he was gifted with a tinfoil hat. And um, you know, my uh, he and I have adopted a, a definition of conspiracy theorist. Conspiracy theory is something which, if it were true, you couldn't deal with it.
0: <laughs> that's about it, isn't it?
1: <laughs> yeah, and I think that's really why people do not want to. I actually heard somebody. This is, you know, you know a few years after nine eleven. The nine eleven truth movement was emerging, and somebody said to me, um, "Well, if it was if nine eleven were an inside job, we would have heard about it on NPR."
0: <laughs> well, if you were listening to I NPR when laughing. I called in, you would have heard about it. But then they they started blocking me.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, and that's the whole thing. I mean, people don't recognize that uh, inside the container. Uh, inside the matrix and outside the matrix. And inside the matrix, um, you have this, um, you know, elephant and donkey show. And um, you have um, a philanthropy industrial complex that appears to be doing good, but they're really sequestering money and keeping in place all of the things that are creating the problems that they are supposedly dealing with. Um, You know, and now, of course, all of this, you know, all of the race stuff, you know, Swami says we need to, uh, instead of focusing on the identity issues, we need to focus on the identical issues we all share in common, clean air, clean food, clean water, clean soil, and clean government. And so that's what the upwising is about. That's what my mission, Swami's funny mission to get everybody breathing together, Uh, the front and center mission to bring people together uh, in, um, Respectful conversation, and in that field of love, it becomes safe enough to bring up these horrific things and metabolize them through uh, through love.
0: Well, that sounds like a plan. That's our only hope. Okay. Well, when you guys (laughs) when you do a Truth Woodstock or something, uh, I want to be there.
1: (laughs) Well, we maybe need a (laughs) laughing (laughs) stock.
0: There you go, laughing stock for Truth. I'll, I'll I'll be there too. (laughs) <laughs> I've been a laughing yes, stock exactly. for truth a few times on Fox news myself. At least that's what they tried to invite me on and, and, uh, <laughs> and make me, but uh, okay. We only have about a minute here. So uh, remind us uh, the, the, the title you you said that you did uh, a, a book with Bruce, Bruce Lipton on uh, yep. conscious evolution. That sounds fascinating.
1: It, it's called spontaneous evolution, our positive future and a way to get there from here. It's been, translated into 26 languages. Um, It was a book ahead of its time. And, you know, right now we're looking at uh, uh, our conclusion, um, just to boil it right down, from a biologist standpoint, through being a cellular biologist, that the next phase of human evolution is recognizing that we're all cells in the same body. And in the process of doing that, we're not swallowed by the collective, but instead... Each of us gets to shine. The more connection we have through community, the more freedom we have as individuals. So, freedom and community uh, need to evolve together, uh, rather than looking at uh, uh, a dominator system that's trying to create uh, uh, that has an agenda in mind uh, that's that's going to end up being totalitarian. Uh, I just heard a speaker um, talk about. You know, whenever anybody is promising heaven on earth, they're justifying the means that will get there. And so the most dangerous belief on the planet right now is the ends justify the means. The ends and the means are one and the same.
0: Here, here. Well, I'm, I'm totally with you on that. And um, in awe of your comic cosmic genius, uh, Steve, you and your alter ego, Swami Beyond ananda. Well, I think we're we're pretty much here at the end of the hour. I hear some bumper music, so I'm going to have to uh, say goodbye. Uh, and it was great reconnecting. So keep up the good work. God bless. And look forward to another one.
1: Hopefully, see you in Madison next time. When, the, when we're like traveling again in 2023. Okay? Madison
0: 2023. <laughs> Inshallah. Okay. okay thank Mark you so much, Steve Behrman. We'll uh, wake, see you. Okay. wake up laughing. Bye. Okay. Bye. Wakeuplaughing.com. Wake great website. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Bye. Bye. That is Steve, aka Sloan Candananda, back in the next hour with the NoyCamp Marks yet.com. We will be right back after this message.